KUT 89.5 FM can help you get your business recognized. We offer affordable advertising packages that are designed for grassroots and smaller businesses that will help you reach your target markets. When you advertise with CIUT, you are also supporting a community organization. Your advertising dollars go right back into helping the radio station continue with its mission to bring the best alternative programming to the airwaves. Find out more at www.ciut.fm and click on the Advertise With Us link. Hi everyone, this is Ralph Benmergi and I have a new show here on CIUT. It's called The New Sabbath Project and we'd love you to join us for conversations about all things related to culture, citizenship, community, spirituality, and religion. The New Sabbath Project here on CIUT 89.5 Sundays at 2 p.m. The evolution continues. CIUT 89.5, Toronto. Live from the Hard House Map Room studio at the University of Toronto, this is the Keenan Wire radio program for Wednesday, August 14th. We're live on the air at 89.5 FM in Toronto and worldwide at CIUT.FM on the web. You can download a podcast of this program at thegridto.com. Today on the show, an old familiar topic, the mayor and the bottle. Is it a problem that he wants to party? I think it is, and I'll talk to Ford watcher Jude McDonald about it. We'll also be joined by our panel of media assassins to discuss that and other news and talk about the CNE, the great Toronto tradition that spells the end of summer and <gasps> kicks off on Friday, plus great music and more. Thanks for listening in. Uh, first off, I'd like to introduce my special guest host for today. He's a good friend of mine and my father-in-law, incidentally, but I also like to consider him a bit of an expert on Toronto as it's lived, uh, an East York born former cab driver. The author of American Exorcism and most recently One Last Kiss, Michael W. Cuneo. Thanks for joining me, Michael. Hey, Ed. It's a pleasure to be here. So uh, before we before we launch into the ugly drama of uh, Toronto City politics, One Last Kiss, uh, that's a bit of an ugly drama too. It's a it's a terrible story, Ed. It takes place on the banks of the Mississippi. A guy named Chris Coleman, who was the head of security for for the world famous. Uh, uh, world-famous evangelical uh, ministries. What he did was he murdered his uh, wife and his two young sons in cold blood. He choked them to death because he was prohibited from getting a divorce by the ministry. Otherwise, he would have lost his job. So, his, so instead of getting a divorce, he decided to murder his entire family. And that, that grisly story, as you say, it's a terrible story, but All it's, in the name of it's God. well told. I've read it. So uh, people can find that on Amazon and whatnot. And a little closer to home and actually uh, somewhat uh, less ugly, um, you know, is the ongoing unfolding Rob Ford drama. Uh, the latest chapter of it was uh, on Friday, Rob Ford was supposed to uh, officiate at some opening ceremonies to open the Taste of the Danforth. His staff was there waiting for him, and he didn't show up. Uh, They were uh, apparently, according to reports I've read, on their way home when they started to see a social media buzz about an apparently buzzed mayor uh, several blocks from the Taste of the Danforth at Greenwood and Danforth. uh, Videos appeared almost immediately on YouTube. 
We're going to go up to the party, man. Let's go. I want to get these kids playing football. Yeah, I need to get in the I'm not driving. I'm not driving. I'm not driving. He's a little bit. Walk and talk. Hi, brother. Hi, brother. I'm from the United States. You got to I think that. Give me some clone. I'll give you some clone. I'll give you some clone. I want to go up to that damn place. Let's go party. So let's go party. That was the mayor on Friday night. Um, I guess one of the big concerns that um, that the people who encountered him had, at least some of them who started spreading the word, was that they saw him alone next to his Cadillac Escalade, and they found him sort of in an altered state. Um, I don't know. Is this is this a something you're particularly concerned about if the mayor gets a little bit lit at a public celebration? Listen, Ed, I think the big thing here is the, the drinking and driving issue. I mean, if, if Mayor Ford was actually uh, drinking and driving, then that is a, a horrible situation, and, and, it's, and it's inexcusable. But if I could put on my prognosticator's hat for a second. <laughs> Please do. That's yeah, why I, here. I would surmise that this whole incident if anything, will only enhance, will only increase the mayor's popularity. <laughs> and, I, and, and, and I think he is, he, he's pioneering a new way of, of political campaigning. You know what, 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 it, what it made me think of, Ed, was, was the recent Republican National Convention in the United States. And I just spent 26 years in New York City, right. so, I, so I would follow this stuff closely. And you remember, you followed it too, Ed. What we had, with the exception of Ron Paul, right. and, and maybe, and maybe the, the weird and bizarre New Gingrich. <laughs> the rest of these characters that lined up at the at, at the at the national convention, the Republican National Convention, they were they were automatons. They were they uh, they were carefully quaffed automatons. Um, every utterance so carefully vetted, every move so carefully carefully monitored. They were absolutely in every respect the product of their image makers, the product of their teams. And so the public looks at these clowns, and the public will will think at least at least I I, I think a great deal of the public. They are untrustworthy. I mean, already you, you feel like like they've got one one of their hands in your back pocket reaching for your right. wallet. Right, so when they're so slick, <laughs> yeah, then you say, I can't trust them. They're slick, they're phony, and they're, they're, they, they ooze, they resonate inauthenticity. Rob, Rob Ford, uh, somewhat less carefully quaffed. Rob Ford <laughs> is the polar opposite of these guys. Rob Ford is unvarnished, spontaneous. He's in your face. Rob Ford, the last thing he wants is is for any staff or, or uh, to, to be monitoring his his moves. He is ungoverned. He is, he is the absolutely <laughs> and ruthlessly ungoverned mayor of Toronto. <laughs> and, and I think that people look at this and they feel an attraction to this, they say. They say, "Listen, the guy might be the guy might be out of control. He might be irresp- irresponsible. But there's something real. There's something authentic about this guy. Here's somebody that we can identify with. He's like our crazy, crazy uncle. That's right. And and then when you say to the crazy uncle, hey, uh, you were a little wobbly at the party on Friday. Uh, here's what he says." Friday night, went to the feast of Danforth, and uh, I want to address, uh, obviously, um, you know, did I have a couple of beers? Absolutely, I had a couple of beers, but you know what? I had a good time. I think things are getting blown out of proportion. Um, I met a lot of people, took hundreds of pictures, and if, if I offended anyone, you know what? I apologize, but I, I didn't, uh, I don't believe I did offend anyone, if they, and if I did, you know what? I, I, I just uh, had a good time and let my hair down a bit, but you know what? A lot of people called me the next day, I have a lot of people on my whole number, and said, well, don't worry, but it was... A lot of fun, and a lot of people never met me before, and we had a good time. So I just wanted to address that. 
So that was him on his News Talk 1010 show with his brother, Doug. Uh, the people at News Talk 1010 actually put together a little montage to show Doug's sort of evolving position on the mayor's drinking uh, by contrasting clips uh, from March, I think, when, when the sort of his substance abuse last became an issue with today. Let's review the words of Doug Ford. Have I, have I seen my brother <laughs> hammered in his life? Yeah, I have. I've never seen Rob drink. Rob doesn't sit there in public and start hammering away on, <laughs> you know, on drinks. It just never happens. Well, he does drink uh, occasionally. Well, I'm, does I'm he not? sure he does. He doesn't drink in front of me. Have I, have I seen my brother <laughs> hammered in his life? Yeah, I have. So that was, you know, uh, he goes from I've never seen him drink or I never see him drink at all. I don't know if he even drinks socially because he's never drank in front of me to, uh, you know, of course, we go down and we have a couple pops. What's the big deal, right? uh, By yesterday, he was sort of walking back his earlier what's the big deal comments by saying, you know, it was inappropriate, but but let's move on. Um, Jay Robinson, a counselor who was on Ford's executive committee until she suggested that maybe it was time for him to uh, to to not move on, but to deal with this, uh, uh, told uh, the CBC radio uh, that she thinks it is time for him to confront this problem. Well, unfortunately, this reinforces what I was saying in June of this year. The pattern continues, and this is not the first time we've uh, heard about these types of allegations or activities. It just keeps happening over and over again, and I think a lot of us were hoping he had resolved his issues, uh, but, but it's just a recurring theme. And as I said back in June, um, if he wants to be the mayor of this great city, I think he needs to take a leave of absence and get help. Uh, It's in the best interest for the mayor, and it's in the best interest for Toronto. So that was Jay Robinson. So now, Michael, before we started listening to some of these other other people's thoughts on it, uh, you were saying that that, that there's this great gulf between... uh, sort of the policy and administration implications of whatever the Rob Forey story of the moment is and the political popularity in, in implications. And you think that this kind of thing might, might make him more popular among some people? I think that there is a real mythology that has developed around, uh, around Rob Ford. I was at a coffee shop not too long ago, and a guy, and a guy said that Rob Ford popped into another coffee shop his, and uh, gave his buddy a boost. His buddy's car wouldn't start, and the mayor of Toronto <laughs> <laughs> rushed to the that rescue and gave him a boost. Now, listen, a lot of, and, and I've heard a lot of stories of this, sort, and, and some of them might be apocryphal or, or sh- sure, uh, you know, absolutely fabricated, but people believe this. And I think that uh, at least sig- significant numbers of people believe this, and once again, Ed, they think that here is a guy who is real, who is, who is absolutely flawed, fundamentally flawed. But you know what? People get flawed. People get fundamentally flawed. I think that a lot of people, they, would, they don't mind that the fair, that the mayor of Toronto has these flaws and sometimes brazenly flaunts his flaws. I think they don't mind that because they think that at bottom he's a decent guy and a trustworthy guy and a guy who does have their interest at heart. Now, this could be... Um, ridiculous reasoning, but that's <laughs> but that is that is the thing. I I, I think he's going to be tough to beat. Yeah, no, I, I think you could be right, um, and I think it would be a different story. You know, because the, because there's a difference between sort of an average guy, and that's that narrative that's taken hold because of his bumbling, largely that he's just an average guy, and he does legitimately he'll give you a boost if he sees you at the side of the road. He'll come out and look at the pothole on your oh, street. There and you go. Make some encouraging <laughs> sounds about fixing it, but um. But, you know, the, the, 
the popularity he has with average people is interesting given that that he's he's anything but average in his biography he his dad was a member of provincial parliament the owner of a successful business rob and doug inherited that business and have run it he's he's very wealthy he you know he ran for city council and won now he's the mayor of toronto he's not an average guy but he has maybe uh average problems a rough parallel would be the inestimable George W. Bush, who was <laughs> patrician to the core, a Yale graduate, who was a child of absolute privilege, and yet somehow projected an image of being an everyday guy, a regular person, and significant numbers of the American electorate bought into this. Hence his political success. And he, too, was a bumbling guy. Um, you know, let me let, let me figure out my strategery. You yeah, know, and... and yeah, yeah, yeah. He too was a was a bumbling guy, and um, and 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 yet he was able to project this kind of an image that some people found a winning image. I, I somehow, I mean, I know Rob Ford significantly better than I ever knew George W. Bush. Uh, I knew George W. Bush mostly from watching the news coverage and Saturday Night Live and whatnot. But uh, <laughs> but I got the sense with George W. Uh, like with someone like Mel Lastman that they were kind of an empty suit and a salesperson, but that um that they kind of knew who they were taking orders from, right? Like, they had, you know, George W. Bush had Carl Rove and Dick Cheney, yeah. these people around them, and he's like, okay, that's my team. Yeah. Who, who, that, they do the planning, I do the selling, yes. right? Whereas uh, Rob Ford, and I, uh, this, the, the one big, and it's, it's not one big, there's this whole crack scandal, but uh, one of the big cracks that's appearing in Rob Ford's sort of armor right now is that uh, a lot of his senior staff, the people who had been his strategists and advisors, have been have been abandoning him one after the other, uh, ba- reportedly because they're fed up with dealing with things like him blowing off an event and then showing up somewhere later, uh, apparently altered. We'll, we'll talk more about this after the break, but uh, we're going to take a break and listen to some music. As I said earlier, the CNE opens this week um, among the people, the bands playing at the CNE is uh, some uh, an outfit called Walk Off the Earth. They became sort of YouTube celebrities. They're from Burlington, Ontario, just outside of Toronto. They became sort of U- YouTube celebrities for their offbeat uh, cover versions of top 40 hits, but rather than one of those um, or current top 40 hits, but rather than one of those, I thought we listened to a bit of a throwback. This is a cover of a Bob Dylan song by Walk Off the Earth.
That was Walk Off the Earth. A hard rain is going to fall. Sometimes it feels like we need a hard rain to come in Toronto. <laughs> Sorry, that's taxi driver, not Dylan. Uh, a big rain coming, uh, wash the scum off the streets. Anyway, um, <laughs> so maybe that's just City Hall uh, that I'm thinking of. Anyhow, um, welcome back to the Keenawire. I'm joined in the studio today by author Michael W. Cunha. We've been discussing Rob Ford's walk on the Danforth. Also joining me now on the phone to talk about that is Jude McDonald, who's been watching Rob Ford for a long time and started tracking this particular story a few minutes after the chatter broke online Friday night. Hi, Jude. Hi. Hi, thanks for uh, joining me today. When the story started coming out on social media on Friday, um, you you were watching it right away, right? You saw something happening there? Yes. Before, I guess, even uh, all these mainstream media people, including me, picked up on it. And you spoke to the the fellow that uh, recorded the video and posted it on YouTube? Tweeted. He, he, oh, you tweeted with him. You corresponded yeah. with him on, <laughs> on, um, on the social media. And what did you learn from him that, that you think are the the big things we should be talking about with this or, or concerned about with this? Well, uh, anybody who's interested could actually go back and take a look at his, um, his own statements that night. Right. And what comes up uh, again and again at, at Ad Vixen, which is his uh, Twitter account, is, uh, is an expression of concern. You know, saying that the mayor was fun, he seemed, he seemed intoxicated, 
Um, but he really wonders about the drinking and driving or, or driving under the influence. And he, he expresses that concern that night several times. And as we know in the video, that we've got the mayor denying or saying, I, I'm not driving. Um, so in corresponding uh, with Mala, I, uh, I know that there's been a lot of kind of theories about what could have happened, which I actually caution people from doing. We've got, an, we've got a public official who should be accountable and should actually explain what happened. He says, you know, he wasn't drinking, so there should be specific uh, details, which we haven't received yet, about what happened where. Right. Um, but what? But in terms of you know what people are building from the thing that's really important to know about Malatoure is that he was with the mayor when the mayor was standing beside um, the side of his car, right? Right up until the mayor was met by police and staff. Right. So he was there by the mayor's side through this whole episode, and he shot some videos and people took pictures, as we all know, and people tweeted. Um, but he is able to say with a real clarity that the only thing the mayor consumed from the time he was at the side of his car until he was met by officers and staff, the only thing he consumed was that cup of coffee that a bunch of people went into Tim Hortons, including the mayor. The mayor got himself a coffee and consumed nothing but that one coffee. So he, he wasn't already drinking the coffee beside his car there, and he was already in... Uh, you know, whatever condition that is. Uh, yeah. The mayor's come out and said, I mean, this is, I, I find this with Rob Ford a lot, is that a situation comes up in which there are questions, and there are easy answers, innocent explanations, and then there are more sinister ones that present themselves, both. And rather than sort of explaining it in a way that satisfies that, he gives us sort of a half explanation, if if any. And then people are left to sort of, forensically reconstruct what they believe happened or might have happened out of that. And as you say, that that creates this kind of dangerous spike of speculation. So, I mean, he said he had a few beers at the Taste of the Danforth. The video we're looking at is before he got to the Taste of the Danforth. Yeah, and and we, been, so far, there's been absolutely nobody indicating they saw the mayor drink or they were with the mayor when he drank. Except Doug, I guess. No, but, no, Doug, I mean, oh. Doug says that at one moment, and then Doug says, no, I wasn't actually with them, I came after, and I don't drink myself, and, right. you know, well, that's how the first and I had a couple beers, oh, no, no, I wasn't there, right, you know, Doug is... Yeah, that's that's how the first-term counselor from Etobicoke does things, so maybe we don't need yeah. to talk about him too much anymore. No. But no. um, what do you think the things are that we should be talking about? I mean, uh, again, I, c- I come back to, uh, you know, I know I said we wouldn't talk about Doug, but when he says, oh, the guy had a couple pops, what's the problem? There's part of me that really understands that, but if he had a couple pops, as he says, and then was driving, or... Yes. I mean, we don't have answers about that, right? You've been on... on Well, whatever he did, the Mm -hmm. only thing we know factually is that he was beside his car, and he was in a state that should not be the state somebody drives in. Right. And we've had not... we, We, as the public, as residents of the city of Toronto, witnessing our mayor beside a car in a state where he shouldn't be driving, um, he drove through the city, right? The implications are quite serious. And, you know, Ed, you and I are old enough that we remember when it was normal for people to drive drunk. Absolutely. Right? That I, like, I, I vividly remember, you know, when people were made fun of for expressing concern about DUI. So... I don't want to go back to that. 
<laughs> yeah. And and so having having that question left unanswered, to my mind, is kind of opening the door to normalizing that behavior again, to making it okay to drive wasted. Yeah, well, especially when if, this is our this is our right. If if our mayor gets a pass on that, that he is a public official, he was at a public event. His behavior was very public. And yeah. he, you know, and he, and he, and he presents himself as wanting an administration that's accountable and transparent. We're, I, I feel like you know, people in a vacuum are spinning all these theories about what happened where and what was ta- what was consumed. I, I caution against that. You know, it's not for us to piece it together. It is for us us to ask the mayor to address this and give us an answer that is an adequate answer that can be supported by other people. Now, okay. And if he cannot do that, the, that, that opens the door for there being a problem. Now, you and I spoke on the phone yesterday, and you said something that resonated with me, and it's, it's that uh, Rob Ford is always saying that we are his bosses. The taxpayers are, are his bosses. And if you had an employee who was engaged in behavior that reflected poorly on the company, like let's say you had a CEO, uh, but if you had an employee that, that was doing things that, that demanded explanation, you wouldn't... Uh, speculate. You don't just get a pass. No, you'd, you'd call this person in to answer adequately for the, their behavior. Um, it seems like we, we seldom get an adequate explanation from Rob Ford for a lot of things. Yeah, respect, I mean, he, he speaks about respect. Uh, respect would be to give the full weight, re- weight of the residents who many times over express concern about whether he drove when he shouldn't have. And we hear him on video protesting that he did not, or he was not driving at that moment in time, you know, which is a phone story. Right. Well, yeah. Um, but um, if he wants to show respect, he will give us an answer that can be, that can be checked, because, you know, if he has nothing to hide, then this should be, like, this should have happened on Saturday. Um, so, it, again, it becomes this thing where in the vacuum people have theories, the theories can be denied, you know, relations of his family members can spin their own theories that are not based on any observation. None of us, it's not any of our jobs, right? His job is to be accountable for what he does as a public official. He says we're his boss, will show us some respect and explain yourself. Excellent. We're just about out of time, but thanks for joining me today, Jude. Thank you. Okay, and I'll talk to you, I, I hope, soon, again on the show. Um, now, okay, Michael, you know, you're one of my Rob Ford's bosses. <laughs> That's right. Do you think it's time for a performance review? <laughs> oh, I, 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 I think so, and, and I certainly agree um, that, <laughs> that, 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 that if there are unanswered questions regarding the drinking and driving issue, these need to be addressed. That is serious, serious business because I'm old enough also that I remember when people would routinely drive wasted. And, and I'm also old enough to remember that, that, uh, that people who question that or challenge that were regarded as uh, puritanical. And, yeah. uh, and interfering or meddling. And, and I, 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 too, do not want to go back to those days. So that needs to be addressed. And I think that's, the, you know, Jude points it out. It's one of those things where in this controversy, somebody says, hey, I'm concerned that perhaps the mayor was driving drunk. And somebody else says, hey, haven't you ever had a few drinks? We're talking about having a few drinks. And confusing those two issues makes it one of those like, oh, are you anti-fun people? And I, 
I don't think that's the debate we actually want to have. And no. I think it's, it's actually serious. I'm yeah. pro fun, Ed. <laughs> yeah, I'm very concerned about the, the drinking and driving issue. Also pro fun, uh, the CNE, which we'll be talking about in a bit more depth later, uh, among the bands playing at the bandshell there is the new pornographers. Let's listen to a little bit of them now. Urbane Cyclist specializes in urban active transportation. Check out our custom bikes built in-house, from fixies to touring and comfortable commuters, as well as great brands like Opus and KHS. Already have a bike? Our services and parts department is there for you. Just call us and make an appointment. Students get 10% off parts and accessories. 
Urbane Cyclists is a worker cooperative. 180 John Street, downtown Toronto. Do you love the movies? So do the folks at the Carlton Cinema, located steps away from College Subway Station. Magic Lantern Carlton Cinema offers some of the best deals on entertainment in the city. Matinee prices, student prices, even $5 Tuesdays. Whether you prefer foreign art films, homegrown Canadian movies, or the latest popcorn action flick, with the nine screens, there's always something for everyone. Check carltoncinema.ca for movie listings and showtimes. The evolution continues. CIUT 89.5, Toronto. Welcome back to the Keenan Wire radio program on CIUT 89.5 FM in Toronto. If you're just joining us and you want to get in on the conversation, you can tweet me at the Keenan Wire. You know, I like to hear your perspectives because it's a big city. Everybody's got lots of opinions, so I invited some opinionated people to come into the studio with me. I like to call them the Keenan Wire panel of media assassins. Uh, Michael W. Cuneo has been with us throughout the hour. He's still here. Also with us today, Torontoist reporter, democracy activist Desmond Cole. Hi, Desmond. Hey, yo. Queens Park reporter with QP Briefing, John Michael McGrath. Hi, Ed. And uh, newbie, first-time panelist, Hazlitt columnist, Toronto Life contributor, Nicholas Hewn-Brown. Hey. Welcome to the show, Nick. Thanks. Um, I guess we'll kick off. We've been talking about Rob Ford a lot, and I don't, I don't, you know, I'd I'd like to move on to other subjects. Um, (laughs) So uh, I was on College Street yesterday, briefly. I was having lunch, and I went out and watched for quite a while as the protests into the uh, aftermath, the the shooting of Sami Yatim continued uh, for quite a while, blocking the street there. There have been developments in that. Desmond, you were there yesterday. What are your, um, what's the... Big, I, mean, I mean, obviously there are a lot of concerns around the shooting, but with the, the board meeting yesterday, the chief's commission, the ongoing protests, what are the big questions that immediately need to be answered? Well, I was interested uh, in the, um, the announcement of Dennis O'Connor looking into this uh, particular report uh, because I'm not exactly sure what all the fanfare is about. On the one hand, you have the chief of police, uh, Bill Blair, saying look, this is a mandatory report. We have to do this every time something like this happens. Okay. But on the the other hand, uh, sorry. This is the Chief Justice Desmond, or I'm sorry. um, Former uh, Chief Justice. uh, Dennis uh, O'Connor, who's going to be investigating this on behalf of the police chief. Um, Yeah. And, you know, he said uh, that this is a really important decision that they've made because this is a tough former Supreme, uh, or, or Chief Justice of Ontario you know, he believes in getting to answers. He got involved in the Walkerton inquiry. And so we know we, we're going to give him all the tools to get to the bottom of this. It doesn't inspire a lot of confidence about the other inquiries that they have where right. they don't do all of this stuff. So that's one thing I'm thinking about. Uh, but another is that I don't know what, if any, public component there is to what Justice O'Connor is going to be looking into. I do know, however, from going to the Police Services Board meeting yesterday Uh, It was announced by the chair of the Police Services Board, Alec Mukherjee, that um, the subcommittee that the police have on dealing with individuals who are in emotional distress, and the police services actually has a subcommittee on that, they're going to be convening 
public feedback about all of these kinds of incidents and what the public would like to see happening uh, to save people's lives and to protect people from being hurt and killed by the police. I think that that's extremely, extremely important. No justice, no matter how thorough they are, no matter how uh, investigative they are, can substitute for the public anger that you saw yesterday, that I saw yesterday. Those are people whose family members uh, who were, were hurt or killed by the police out there. They need to be heard from. All right. So if there was a, a public component, and I mean, I guess that, that moves beyond the specific details of this incident, which would be the subject of a police investigation into this incident or a chief justice inquiry into this investigation. The public uh, input would, would talk more about what, what the people want in policies, procedures, in situations like this. Nick, Nick, if you were asked what would, uh, in reaction to this, what would your public input to a panel like that be? I think the, I think the public component is is for sure important to talk about policies and you know bigger ways to make sure this doesn't happen again. But I think I think people are really frustrated because there's a sense that individual officers there's there's never any real justice there. You know, you talk about the special investigations unit, which is uh, the body that's in charge of looking into you know incidents when people are killed or seriously injured by the police. And uh, there's a Toronto Star report from a few years ago, so it's a mm-hmm. bit out of date, but I think they'd looked into something like 3,400 incidents, um, and three police officers had ever seen ever seen jail time for that. So yeah, there's, there's which, a real sense that they're treated in a completely different way than you know regular I, citizens. Yeah, I think I mentioned before that if you like, as a percentage, if you if you round that off, that's a that's a conviction rate of zero. Yeah, yeah, it's, right? it's you know it's a rounding um, error. <laughs> um, uh, Michael, I see you scribbling over there. Oh, yeah, I mean, I I would hope, and, and Desmond, perhaps you could clarify this. I would really hope that the investigation is absolutely sweeping, and 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 this atrocity is is it's a defining moment in this city, my hometown. Um, after spending twenty six years in New York City, I mean, in New York City, we've had we, we've we've had some terrible, terrible police uh, misconduct, and and um, and this is on a level with the worst that I've seen in New York City, unless there's, there's something I don't know about this. And I would hope that as part of the investigation and as part of the review, one of the things that is, that is considered is whether patrol officers need weapons. Amen. I say disarm them. Amen. Get, wep- get guns off these people, some of whom are, are, are insufferably arrogant, and 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 some of whom quite clearly have extremely limited interpersonal skills. I would want to see patrol officers, ordinary patrol officers, disarmed. Get the weapons off them. We can have special forces units that uh, that, that 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 carry that carry weaponry um, in 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 highly charged, inflammatory, and dangerous situations. Not patrol officers. The patrol officer who stops you or me in a vehicle. I don't want them to have guns. John, do you think that's a good idea? And is there any chance of it happening? Uh, I suspect there's no chance of it happening, uh, alas. Um, The the idea has some appeal to me, but um, I just don't think that's on anybody's radar. Um, I think maybe the most you will see is a move towards a a wider availability of tasers, which has both pluses and minuses, obviously. Yeah, I mean, Um, it seems to me that tasers are a really good option when they're used as an alternative to a gun. They're a bad option when they're used as an alternative to uh, other lesser right. uh, forms of restraint, Be- which inevitably a, they get used as. If yeah, it's because it's a non-lethal use of force, it's like there's a lower threshold for the use of force. 
Um, and of course, they're not always non-lethal, uh, though. Uh, the company that makes them is kind of litigious, so maybe I should stop there. I don't, I don't know. There's a, there's a huge, um, there, there are uh, so many issues in this relating specifically to Sania team, but relating also to the way the police investigate themselves, the way policies are set. Uh, the police board chair himself yesterday, I think, said that it, you know, th- at times you wonder how the hell is this guy still on the force. The police chief himself has said he wished he could su- suspend people without pay. Yeah. Uh, the SIU, which I believe earnestly investigates, but doesn't really have the power i mean you only have to look if you wonder if the police get different treatment than the rest of us which i think transparently they do but if you know uh when you're a suspect when there's a good somebody would be arrested already pending the conclusion of this investigation if it was Mm. a civilian who did this shooting we're we're talking about whether or not that person will face criminal charges which is in doubt which is so sad but i want to go back to what john said because um if the idea of disarming our police is not on anybody's agenda, then let's put it on the public agenda. I'm tired. Okay? <laughs> like, we have to stop playing this game where the police know how to protect us better than we know how to protect ourselves. I'm tired of it. Look, they had an incident two days, I believe, after Sammy Yatim was killed in Montreal. Mm-hmm. There was a 71-year-old yeah. man. Did you hear about this one? Yes, I, was, I read about it. 71 years old. He had an armed... He had a loaded firearm. They stood him down for 20 hours before taking him out with rubber bullets. What's wrong with that? Who was in danger more in that situation because of it? The police knew what they were doing. They took their time. They didn't rush, as it appears they did in the Samia team incident. And they knew that they were dealing with somebody who was in distress. But they said, we're going to take as much time as we need to keep him and everybody safe. I have to say it too, Ed. 71-year-old grandpa who's white. Mm-hmm. Police don't want to take him down like that. They don't. They tried to save that guy's life, and I wish they had showed the same regard for Sammy Yatim. Who's a uh, 19-year-old, 18-year-old, uh, non-white, I guess. Uh, Certainly non-Anglo. Non-Anglo. <laughs> anyway, yes. Um, and was a threat to absolutely no, no one. one. At, that, at that particular point, that's certainly, that's certainly true. Um, we, I mean, we've. I think it's a serious, important topic, and we've spent a good deal of time on it. Um, we just have a few minutes left. One thing that, you know, just over the last couple of days has made my head explode is, uh, is you know, the audit of um, of Pamela Wallen has finally been released. Yeah. You know, there's over one hundred twenty thousand dollars she's expected to pay back between her and Mike Duffy. I'm ashamed to be a journalist <laughs> right I mean how do, they, how do they think they can gonna get away with this it's not it doesn't necessarily surprise me when any given person is feathering their nest it surprises me when they're brazenly doing it and they expect it to be overlooked is there is this the culture of the senate or is it the culture of former CBC employees or what <laughs> well I hope it's not the culture of former CBC employees because I'm related to a few of them Um, (laughs) but uh, I I do think that there was such a long history of the Senate basically being unwatched uh, that yeah Wallen and Duffy clearly uh, thought that this was if not normal behavior then uh, something that they could get away with Uh, and you know, it's worth saying that I'm not convinced the rest of the Senate 
wouldn't turn up other examples if we turned over a few more rocks. Well, and that might be part of the problem, though, is that you cover Ottawa as a journalist for a long time, and it's your job to demand answers in situations like this, to uh, to decry the sort of like self-dealing that's that's part of the culture. And you think when when somebody finally offers you your patronage appointment, when somebody when somebody sends you to Ottawa, you, you might go in with an attitude that I'm going to fix this uh, rather than. My turn at the trough, right? It's like, like I, I, maybe, I don't know. Anybody? Okay, the CNE is this uh, opening this weekend. It's, uh, I guess it's cool outside, so it feels appropriate, but it doesn't feel like summer's over to me. But anybody looking forward to it, heading by? Uh, Michael and I, I think, are going to chat about it a bit more after the break. But any, any of you guys, do you guys still go to the CNE? Or? I'm going to go. Yeah? Ride, ride the Ferris wheel and eat some cotton candy <laughs> cotton candy yeah I, I, used to, I get my annual dose of corn dog either there or i go to a county fair in simcoe county but nick i, I go over here it's yeah uh, you know any anything seasonal that happens within only two weeks it, I, I it's enjoy. you gotta take the, like the cronut burger and yeah, <laughs> whatever it is. they got a whole lot of uh exciting food options there oh yeah they're at the cutting edge of deep frying things that you never <laughs> even never even imagined yeah i'm always i, f- I find those cutting edge you know, it's like chocolate-covered bacon or whatever, right? Which is it's like delicious. Um, is it? I, I oh, always absolutely. find them overrated because I'm always like, I just want a corn dog. Uh, it's more like a thrill ride. You know, you, you do it <laughs> yeah. as, out of uh, the yeah, same yeah. reason you go on those rickety things that shake you ten different ways. And then you <laughs> give some money to your cardiologist and you're all good. Yeah, I know. It's, it's the season. All right. And there's, uh, of course, free music at the CNE Band Shell. Well, free if you pay to get in. Uh, we've listened to a couple acts. And, you know, it's hard to choose because there's, like, so many. There's, <laughs> there's, not, uh, there's not that broad a range, but there's a little <laughs> bit, you know. And, and I thought about Dragonette and uh, whatnot. But then I saw that the Beach Boys were playing. And then I realized, of course, it's the, it's the Mike Love uh, you know, no original Beach Boys except him, Beach Boys. Uh, but that put me in the mood to listen to some actual Beach Boys music anyway. So we'll take a break, listen to that. I thank the panel for being with me, and we'll talk more about the CNE after. Still go on, believe me 
All right, that's the Beach Boys. God only knows a current incarnation of the Beach Boys, fronted by original member Mike Love, appearing at the CNE. Uh, you know, I there are so many things I think of when I think of the CNE, but uh, there's a primary one is is that I think of it. Well, let's let's play the the audio if if we've uh, if we've got it. This is the sound of the CNE to me in my mind. There it is. That's uh, that siren. That do you want to go faster? Let me hear you <laughs> scream real loud. And then that siren is like that's the alarm clock that says it's time to go to school. Right? <laughs> Summer's over. I, I always have this picture in my head that when you're getting off the Polar Express, they're handing out like like uh, uh, the protractor sets and three ring binders for you to take back to your class. But um, so that's rooted in my mind, Michael. When you think of the the CNE, what are the first things you think of? First thing I think of right now is bring back the free samples, man. When we were kids, when we were kids, we would go into that food building and we would get shopping bags, which were given to us, paper shopping bags, and it would be a bonanza. We would walk out of there loaded down with chocolate bars with all kinds of goodies. That's a thing of the past. I, you know, listen, the CNE for me is a place that has so much romance attached to it. We're a Great Lake City. There it is. The ground sprawling out right against the lake. It's just wonderful. And I love it. It's one of my favorite things about Toronto. But it's not as good as it used to be. It used to be more of an event. Yeah. More of a spectacle. Quick anecdote. Yeah. And this will really date myself. <laughs> when I was, I was born in 1954. And I forget now. Well, that, that and, dates and, you, that's for sure. Yes. And yeah. I would hope that, that, that I'm not hallucinating this because I haven't yet found anyone who was able to corroborate this. Okay. But when I was 14 or 15, which would have put it at 1968 or 69, I was down at the CNE by myself. And right on the midway, Ed, they set up a stage for a free concert. In the free concert, there were three bands. You know who the three bands were? Blood, Sweat, and Tears, fronted by Toronto's very own David Clayton Thomas. Right. Steppenwolf, fronted by Toronto's <laughs> very own right, right, John Kay, uh, um, who, who attended Running Meat Collegiate, and Dr. John, of all people, Dr. John, Dr. Wow. John, the night Could you imagine this triumvirate of performers performing at a free concert at an impromptu stage set up right in the midway? It was fantastic. And now, of course, they have the band show, which is quite a distance from the midway. And they have some good bands that are playing there. There's, uh, of course, New Pornographers and Ravenette. And, you know, we've, we've listened to some music from some of them, but... It's, you're right. It seems like some of that, the romance is still there. You got the blinking lights against the night sky and the, you know, teenagers holding hands and Carney's asking you to try and win a prize. But it does seem like, like that, that majesty, that there would be a huge concert with big name bands right there offered for free. Uh, and, you know, they used to sh show, unveil the inventions of the future at, you know, I, my, 
grandparents told a story about going to see their first first TV they ever saw was at the CNE, the first uh, automated washer and dryer machines when this was sort of like, it's not the first ones they had ever seen, but still they, they would be coming out these innovative new household products and they'd go there and see demonstrations of them and all of that. And of course the free food, there's this evolution that happens, right? I heard stories from my parents that in recent stories, recent history at that time uh, of, you know, like this bonanza of free food. And then by the time I was going to the CNE, it was kind of like we would make a day of or, or we'd make a lunch hour of going to get everything cheap because there was lots of stalls. But there was still like you could get 29 cent hot dogs here and, uh, you know, 15 cent Coke over there and, uh, you know, 99 cent spaghetti. Now. So Rebecca and I, when we first met, we're we're always going and we'd be just like, we're eating one of everything cheap. And and last year with my kids, we were in the food building and that was kind of our rallying cry. And we would have gone hungry if we didn't break down and just buy something expensive because instead of free. Uh, but I, I don't know. I, I, I've wrestled with this question a bit because I for me, the nostalgia is there. But you're right. That that sense of... Uh, of excitement of it happening now that it's not a nostalgic experience it's a it's a brand new and exciting experience i don't know if or how they they could bring that back right i mean it used to as i said have more of the feel of a spectacle a world's fair right it, re- it, it really did have that 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 kind of component and there was there was it was thrilling to go to the exhibition I still look forward to going, and it's still, and it's still, you know, when I think of the exhibition grounds themselves, I think that a lot of the allure and a lot of the charm of the C and E are those are those wondrous grounds. Right. When I'm out of town, and when I think of when I think of Toronto, which is my hometown, the the first things that come to mind are the University of Toronto campus, which is great, but then the C and E and the C and E and those grounds and how wonderful it is, and I think especially now for me. In off season to walk through those grounds, the third thing are twenty four hour donut shots, which right, we don't want to get right, into that right. because they're they're a little bit of an endangered yeah, species right now. It, yeah, yeah. But the C and the C and E, it's a one of a kind place. There's nothing there's nothing like the C and E in New York City. I, I I'm proud of it and I look forward to it. But I wish that we could bring back a little bit more of the sense of adventure and spectacle and romance that I think characterized the CNE in earlier years. It's become it's become a little too tame and predictable, a little uh, desultory, I think. Right, and maybe a, a bit rote would be. I mean, I I worked at the CNE for several years uh, in a row, uh, and there were a couple of years in a row where I worked every single hour it was open in a game, uh, and by then I, I had sort of had the CNE beaten out of me a little bit. I didn't go for a couple of years after that because I was sick of it. And then when Rebecca and I went, it was fun, and there was kind of a nostalgic experience. But the one thing I would say is that actually. Now, since I've had kids of my own, uh, for them, there's nothing uh, rote, nothing nostalgic about it. It's just a fascinating and exciting experience. And it's as a parent, it's kind of fun to go with them because you get to see their excitement. And it's it's like, oh, yeah, I remember what that feels like. I remember how the CNE felt to me back then. Well, Ed, when you go to the CNE this year, and I know you're going. Yeah, absolutely. You can't you bet help I'm yourself. Going. Yeah, yeah. 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 No. Where will where will you first head? Like, where where, where would what will be your 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 first destination once you go through those gates? Are you going to go through the Dufferin gates? Or are you going to go through? No, the we gates? we usually we always go in through the Prince's gates, 
even though that's actually not where our, you know, <laughs> that's not the easiest route in for us, but the Prince's Gate seems like the front door to me. And then we just walk down the sort of the main aisle where there's lots of games and things. And then uh, we usually immediately play some kind of game, even though we really don't want to win the toys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I like to buy a corn dog to kick things off. Uh, Rebecca has a different philosophy of this. So, you know, sometimes we have to have debates about it. But, uh, and then we hit the midway, right? That's, that's, I, I like to start and end at the midway. Well, what about the, the buildings? Are you, do you, I, do, have you spent time wandering through the buildings, touring some of the buildings? Do they, I have. Do they hold an allure for you? Uh, I do spend time doing that, but they don't hold too much of an allure for me because, uh, I mean, they're just, most of them are big shopping centers, right? It uh, seems that And then that's... there are some buildings that have fun stuff for kids, but most of it's just cheap shopping. Right. It, that, that's how it's developed. Yeah. Well, maybe that's a... Uh, for some people, that's the equivalent of the free food. Uh, I'd like to thank you for being here with me, with me Michael. Uh, we're just about out of time. Lots it's great fun. Thanks, talk. Ed. Uh, Michael is the author of several very good books, including American Exorcism and his most recent one, One Last Kiss. You can buy those from Amazon or other fine booksellers. Of course, I'd also like to thank Jude McDonald and the panel, Desmond Cole, Nick Hewn-Brown, and John Michael McGrath. This show was produced by Brian Goman. Thanks to him and to board tech Nick Paquette. A podcast of this program will be available soon at thegridto.com, or you can subscribe through iTunes. That's the Keenan Wire radio program for this week. Thanks for spending the morning with us, Toronto. We'll talk to you next Wednesday at 9 here on CIUT 89.5 FM. Darren Keister, the host of The Green Majority. The Green Majority is for anyone who's interested in the environment. We cover science, policy news, as well as arts and music. Broadcasting on 18 stations coast to coast, we seek to catch the news that the mainstream either ignores or misrepresents. So stay tuned to The Green Majority Fridays from 11 to noon here on CIUT 89.5 FM. From Pacifica, this 